Annyeonghaseyo! Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some tech bokey and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, everybody. Hi there. Good evening. So I wanted to mention something that I thought kind of connected our writing lives and our K-drama watching lives. You both know that I have a book coming out on August 3rd. It's my first women's fiction book. We all write romance, but I'm dabbling in women's fiction right now as well, which is closely related. But anyway, I mean, I'm into like 15 plus books published, and I have gotten to the point where I don't read reviews of my books when they're published. However, the one caveat to that is that I do look at reviews on galley sites, like when people are reading early copies of the book. So today, I got a really lovely email from my publicist sharing a publisher's weekly review of the book and that it was a very favorable review. And I was very happy about it. And I shared it on social media. I was very proud. Yes, congratulations, because it was very good. I read it. Thank you. And then just for funsies, I went and checked the galley site. (laughs) Just for funsies. Just for funsies. I went and checked the galley site just to see how the galley is doing, the advanced copy. And my publisher has the full book on the galley site. It's called NetGalley. I should give NetGalley a shout out because I love NetGalley. They have the full copy up on NetGalley, but then they also have the first four chapters as a read now, which means anybody can read it. You don't have to get approved by the publisher. And so that's getting reviews a lot quicker, obviously, than the full book because it's only like 60 pages. So the reviews for that have been very favorable too. Until today, (laughs) I got a two-star review, which is totally fine. I'm not calling out this reviewer at all. But this reviewer did not like a lot of things about the first 60 pages of the book. And at first I was like, oh man, this totally puts a damper on my day. And then I had to remind myself, no, wait, I got a really nice Publishers Weekly review. And then I also have a lot of other four and five star reviews on this. And it's very easy to focus on the negative. And I have to talk myself out of that. And so this is not at all a call out to that reviewer. What it is, is it's kind of recognizing, and this goes for us in our K-drama watching lives too, is that what resonates with one person is not going to resonate with everybody else necessarily. And we've shown that with the three of us here, that we don't all love the same dramas all the time. There are times where we come here and we're all gushing over the same thing, like we will be today. But there are times (laughs) where we're not. And that's totally fine. And I think what I want to kind of say about that is when I love something and you guys don't, that's fine. Basically, it's fine when we don't love the same thing. And I also want it to be fine for our listeners when you may love something with all your heart and maybe it didn't resonate with me or maybe it didn't resonate with Megan or Leah. And that's okay too, because what's going to sort of check all our boxes is going to always be different because we're all coming at this with different experiences, the same way that all readers are coming at books with different experiences. So I just kind of felt that sort of connection there with being a writer and having people react to my work and then being an appreciator of K-dramas and reacting to other people's work, especially from a writing perspective, that I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that, hey, when I love something great, and when I don't love something, that's okay, too. And same with all of you. Yeah, I definitely want, you know, our listeners to know that like we as writers, we get it because we know that our books don't resonate with everyone. And same with dramas, you know, I mean, that's what's so great about K dramas, in my opinion, becoming especially more popular internationally, you know, there continues to be more great dramas coming out, and they have such an amazing variety, you know, you can watch a quiet drama, or you can watch a Vincenzo mafia, or you know what I mean? And there's something for everyone. And obviously not every drama is going to work for everyone. Well, before we get to it, a few friendly reminders. Make sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, leave us a review and tell us something you liked about the show. We aren't just here to talk to ourselves and want to make sure we are giving you content you enjoy. Also, follow us on Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for all the show ratings that don't make it onto the pod, book recs, behind-the-scenes fun, and generally shameless fangirling. And if you want to message us about anything you heard on the show, email us at afternoonadelightpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we have merch on Redbubble now, so head on over and search up Afternoona Pod, and you're going to find Afternoon of Delight stickers and hoodies and all the weird, funny shows 
wishes that we say on the show. So when I say that, you know, we're not just here to talk to ourselves and want to give folks the content that they enjoy, we really mean that. And we do try to listen to feedback. And, you know, obviously we have our own ideas of how we want to structure the show. So we're always going to like take that into consideration too. But, you know, I think sometimes it makes sense to be adaptable and I think it keeps things fresh. So something we would like to trial doing is, you know, we're aware that not everybody has seen every drama, but they still might want to listen to the podcast and not get spoilers. However, it's also really hard to talk in like deep dive dramas without having any spoilers. So we're going to do some structuring now where we're going to do the first part is going to be like spoiler free review. We're not going to give away like any twists or turns. So if you haven't seen the drama, you'll still be fine listening, I think. And then we'll make it very clear when we're going to pivot and then talk more about like the deeper dive for folks who've seen the drama or don't mind spoilers. We did get a pretty great, you know, request and we thought it was a really good idea. So thank you. Yeah, let's do it. So today we're talking about Suspicious Partner. No Ji Wook, played by the always amazing Ji Chang Wook, is a prosecutor on the rise. He has a reputation for being a workaholic, no-nonsense type who doesn't suffer fools. Ubong Hee, played by the very funny and very relatable Nam Ji Hun, is an adorably hot mess of an attorney trying to get her career established. Their lives become intertwined when Bong Hee is accused of murdering Hee Jun, her cheating ex-boyfriend, and Ji Wook is assigned to put her behind bars. Of course, Bong Hee is innocent. Lots of hijinks ensue that result in Ji Wook losing his job and opening his own law practice in his house where he hires Bong Hee and lets her live there because... Also, of course, this is a forced proximity trope at its finest. There is a very robust whodunit murder plot that keeps you guessing and a villain whose motivations come with quite a surprise twist. The ensemble of lawyers are funny and provide good comic relief when backdrop against all the murdering. Things to note. Don't let the 40 episodes put you off. Each episode is less than half an hour long. It moves fast, although there is a saggy middle. The murderer is very stabby. It's not super gory, but it's straight up, I'm gonna stab you in the stomach. More than once. Yeah. More than twice. I think more than three times. If you like Ji Cheng Wook with a bowl cut, you get it. If you like Ji Cheng Wook with his hair up, you get that too. Really, just all the Ji Cheng Wook versions are here for your appreciation. And mine. Ji Cheng Wook screams Aish all the time. And it's always hot. He is so very grumpy. Tropes include enemies to friends to lovers and forced proximity. Heroine is a very believable hot mess. She is dirty a lot. Her clothes are often not cute. She isn't just a supermodel wearing some glasses, but she's so cute and girl next door that you still totally get why the uptight hero can't help but fall for her. Leah gave the drama a 3.5 out of 5, as did Amy, myself, and Megan gave it a 4.5 out of 5. So let's get to it with a spoiler-free discussion. Later in the show, we'll have a spoiler-heavy part for those who've watched already. So summarize the drama in 10 words or less. Who would like this drama? Who wouldn't? And why? So try to back your shit up, but don't spoil anything. Okay, so my 10 words or less would be a romance journey, a strong heroine, and a fabulous whodunit. So to me, this drama really had a little bit of something for everyone. I really felt like I went on a journey with Ji Wook and Bong Hee. This drama spans a few years. And while normally that is not my favorite at all, this drama made it work. And dare I say, it needed the slight time jump. There's a lot of humor. I mean, Bong Hee is one of the funniest, lovable heroines I've ever ever met. I laughed so hard at her antics. One of my favorite scenes is where <laughs> Ji Wook kind of pets her head and he's like, you're pretty dirty, but pretty. Like, it's just he's just <laughs> always a mess. <laughs> and I love that there was a show that didn't strive so hard to make the heroine beautiful. Like, they let her just be messy. And I just adored that. So uh, as far as the extended cast, by the end of the drama, like, I did not want to leave them. I wanted to sit in on their chaotic work meetings. <laughs> like, they're my friends. So I will say, I think if you're looking for a tear your heart out romance like Goblin, this is not it. The romance is lovely, but it's not heart-wrenching. There's just so much more going on in the external plot. So I would say, sure, this drama wasn't perfect, but it was incredibly enjoyable to watch. Do romance and murder make for good bedfellows? Why or why not? 
I'm going with a big old yes here, and I didn't know this until I started watching K-dramas. There is something about a romance set against a true life-or-death high-stakes conflict. There is a category of romance novels dedicated to this called Romantic Suspense, and I always thought that they weren't my bag, but apparently they truly are my bag. So give me romance and give me murder, please. Ji Cheng Wook as Ji Wook. How does this stack up for you in terms of other romance heroes of late? Does he meet the bar and why or why not? So, I mean, he's no young sick <laughs> from when the camellia blooms, but then who is, you know? So I did really like Ji Wook because I could see him as a long-term partner for Bong Hee. They fit each other. So I would say like I wanted healer and young sick to myself. Like that's to me, they like I kind of inserted myself in the drama. But with Ji Wook, I just really wanted Bong Hee to have him and vice versa. Like to me, they were a really complete couple who had been through so much together and understood each other. So I adored them and could totally see them making it for the long haul. So I do feel like his healer performance got me more. But I mean, his grumpy Aish yelling and his glasses, like something about just like these wire glasses that keep popping up on actors are doing it for me. So his glasses, I mean, I felt like he could stern daddy me to sexy fade to black scenes anytime. And I'm like trying to figure out like what I'm trying to say here. But like, I feel like an actor like Hyun Bin feels to me very much like a meat and potatoes romance hero. And I don't think either of you really have like watched Outlander, but I'm sure a lot of listeners have. So like kind of like a Jamie Fraser, like gonna do the job job definitely like hot not a lot to dislike but not like a lot of spice there either you know and i feel like ji chang wook he's just like objectively handsome and i feel like there's like a mainstream element to him but like there's more spice and seasoning so while he's like got this mass appeal i feel like he taps into these kind of like quirk factors in his roles and i appreciate that so you know right now i'm kind of like really in this like rabbit hole with a couple of actors and i don't think that like Ji Chang Wook has that like Lee Jun Gi like emoness that like you know Amy is shaking her head like yeah we, don't we just, say Lee Jun Gi in front of me <laughs> we, we just got through Flower of Evil I went into Moon Lovers and like this guy's just like wrecking me on every level and like <laughs> Kong Han Nul I've been in that rabbit hole for a while just because I think he's like stupidly talented but I feel like I can always expect from Ji Chang Wook like this incredibly solid performance even if it's not always like transformative and I'm very much still aware it's like often Ji Chang Wook like playing the role but honestly I don't care I would watch him cooking Papa John's pizza (laughs) (laughs) which we're going to talk about more in the I was to say I really do agree with you about he's just he just gives like a solid performance but there is always just an extra little oomph to him that he manages to put into a role especially this role because this could have been just like a really stiff something but like ji chang book just brings this charisma to all his roles that make him really watchable he's super charming so much x factor (laughs) you know for folks listening like what would be some good comps for this drama so i think anything that has like a good romance with some suspense would be great so i thought when the camellia blooms i am not a robot healer obviously and i also recommend to fight for my way only because i think that the heroines are a little similar and even like the heroes i just think it would be a good comp yeah i also was thinking something like maybe my holo love because i thought that also had like a really good grumpy hero and then she was pretty has another kind of like dirty but pretty heroine (laughs) i'm gonna watch that one someday even though i know the whole story i feel like i just i need to feel the second male lead syndrome in that one yeah Um, if anyone's listening who really likes bong he i would like to recommend into the ring if you liked Bong Hee, because the heroine from Into the Ring is Bong Hee times 10. So basically, so if you really liked her kind of go getter, dirty attitude, then you should watch Into the Ring because that heroine was fantastic. So what do you think is something that makes the lead couple and the romance work so well? So I think we've touched on this a little bit already, but I love that the heroine Bong Hee does not have her shit together. And I love how Ji Wook falls for her, even though she's a mess. I mean, from the second he has to be the prosecutor and put her in jail, he is still fighting for her at that point, even though he doesn't quite understand why. And I love it that when Ji Wook does fall for her and knows that he's falling for her, that he is all in. Like, just so, so much to love about these two and how well they are portrayed by Nam Ji Hyun and Ji Cheng Wook. It feels very real to me, right? Like, nobody's on this pedestal. You know, she's a mess, and then she's even 
bigger mess when she gets thrown into jail. He is a prosecutor, but then messes up, loses his job, and has to, like you said, start his own law practice out of his house, where basically his house becomes his office. Like, nobody is perfect. Everybody is flawed, and they see each other's flaws and still fall for each other. And I think that is a romance worth watching. Yeah, I think I said after we watched it that I hadn't seen a drama where both the main leads saw each other at their absolute worst like this drama. I mean, they really saw each other when they were at the lowest point in their lives and they still cared about it. Like, you know what I mean? That's true love when you see someone at their worst and you're still, you know, care about them and, you know, respect them and all that. There is a major product placement failure in this drama. Kudos to Papa John's for doing the impossible and making pizza seem disgusting to three Americans. What is a topping that has no business on pizza and what's an odd topping you will fight for? So I watched this drama before Amy and Leah, and I could not stop talking about the Papa John's product placement. Normally, product placement doesn't really, I mean, bother me. I just, whatever. But this one drove me crazy. They ate it all the time. All the time. Two characters worked there. And every time it looked gross. And we'd hear them like (laughs) chewing the weird toppings, like, like gag. Like, (laughs) I'm all for experimentation on pizza. And my husband's absolute favorite is shrimp pesto pizza but whatever shit they put on that papa john's was a no from me dog (laughs) so i subscribe to the idea that like bad pizza is like bad sex you know even marginal it's still okay except then as i was like writing that i was like actually that's not really true because bad sex truly really just is bad sex but to pizza you know i like pizza and i even eat like my kids free school lunch pizza which gets like wet (laughs) Because I know it comes in that like plastic bag. So I'm trying to tell you, like, I'm okay with like bad pizza. Although I do think like really good traditional Italian pizza is like a revelation. But all that to be said that Papa John's needs to go into a (laughs) corner and ponder what they did in this product placement. Because I had visceral puke vibes watching it. So I did a little deep dive. And Papa John's is in 45 different countries. And in South Korea in 2019, they launched the American hot dog pizza. (laughs) So that's right. It's a full hot dog on every slice is how they're advertising it. And besides hot dogs, the pizza comes with a chili salsa sauce, mozzarella cheese, a cheddar potato mousseline, onions, Dijon mustard sauce, pickle relish, and parsley. No, I just, no, I mean, like, <laughs> Chicago okay. Chicago girl here who knows a good hot dog and knows a good pizza, I'm losing my ever-loving mind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I want to know what's worse, that pizza or a Nick Cage movie? <laughs> <laughs> that pizza. That I pizza. will watch a Nick Cage movie any day. Yeah. I mean, like, my, yeah. my eyeballs open. I would rather have that happen than... I mean, I would rather go you know, on the hell knife bridge in Tale of the Ninetale <laughs> than, like, than eat this hot dog pizza watching a Nick Cage movie. Truly, that would be like my hell. Would you spend like 20 years in a lantern plant? <laughs> I don't mean that pizza? Maybe if I came out looking the exact, like, you know, <laughs> unaged and refreshed. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna, would you rather it? <laughs> Crawl a tunnel for 20 hours. And you know, and I mean, like, I'm not a total pizza purist. Like, if I'm going traditional, I do want like a burrata with arugula and like cherry tomatoes. And California fancy, like, I eat a lot of figs on my pizza and green apples. But look, that ain't no hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> like, gross. <laughs> every slice, a on every slice, hot dog. A full I saw hot picture. Dog. I saw pictures of this. It is a nightmare. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. So I don't know. Is that like, that's not libel, is it? Do we need to call it like schnappa schnapp, schnappa John's? No, they need to think I'll about this. I'll say this. Papa John's was my go-to in college. After a late night at the bars, order some Papa John's breadsticks with the dipping sauces. And that was drunk food paradise. But hot dog on a pizza shouldn't happen anywhere, anytime, anyplace. I say no. this as... American AF. No hot dogs on pizza. Okay? Okay? No. And now it's time for our favorite segment, our K-recommendation of the week. And this week we have Leah with K-Skincare. Okay, so I get a lot of my K-Skincare from a site called Soko Glam. And the founder of Soko Glam, Charlotte Cho, she has like a line of products that's called Then I Met You. And I really like the Then I Met You line. And I know I have shilled the Living Cleansing Balm on this before. And so there's this like two-step face wash process, right? So I wanted to share the second part of that face wash process today. So after you've done the 
the whole living cleansing balm. Then she has this water-based cleanser that they describe as bouncy and that checks out. It's a bouncy gel and it's a soothing tea cleansing gel. And so basically you do this kind of like waxy-ish balm on your face and you put it on dry and then you wash it and that gets off kind of like any sunscreen or like bigger oil and then to do kind of like the deep clean you follow it with this water-based cleaner i've been following this like plastic surgeon for some reason on the afternoon of delight account i think because he has like i just really appreciate when people are good at like their internet game and this guy puts out really fun content and so i might like share some of his posts and I, i'll try to show this one on the instagram like repost it he did a review on somebody who was doing a double face wash thing with the that i met line being like you know this is really great for your skin and he like will sometimes do like is this a real thing or like a made-up thing kind of shtick on his instagram and in this he's like yeah this totally checks out like this is a really good way to wash your face and you're gonna get it like way cleaner by doing the two-step process so i really do think it just is like really gentle it doesn't dry your skin out and it's a little pricey but when you put them together honestly i feel like it's just a big game changer so today i was talking to you all about the then i met you soothing tea cleansing gel which is bouncy and you can get that on soko glam and while i'm giving a wreck i'm going to give another shameless plug for our afternoon of delight podcast merch on redbubble you can get a pillow that says my other pillow is kim soo hyun's lips i think we're going to have the big drone energy coming out from the when the camellia blooms pod you know we've got all sorts of fun stuff on there so check it out rep us have fun So I think this section, I was trying to think about, like, is this really a spoilery section? And I don't think it really is. Essentially, in the show, there's more of an acknowledgement to the fact that the couple, it's a romance. So we know they're going to, like, hook up. And in this, there's a little bit more of an overt nod that sex happens. And so we opened up because another thing that we want to start doing is having like a little bit more direct engagement with all of the listeners. So we thought it'd be fun to start doing kind of like a question of the week that we'll post on our Instagram account and then invite folks to either respond to that directly or send us an email with their thoughts on the topic. So this week it was sexy times. Do we like open door sex or closed in our K-dramas? In this one, the main couple does get down. Some people like it, some don't. Listeners weighed in. Sarah, who has been writing to us a lot on Instagram with really great and well thought out ideas, she offered this suggestion as an idea. When I told her we were going to do it, she was like, thanks so much for taking my suggestion and doing it really quickly. Sarah wrote, yes, 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 to sex being acknowledged. In fact, I'd go further that I wish we got a bit more skinship between the kissing and the we're in bed naked the next morning. I wasn't a fan of what's wrong with Secretary Kim, and I found the scenes between the couple uncomfortable as I didn't think they were acted well, but that kind of undressing scene we don't have enough of. As well as more general skinship after a couple have gotten together, weightlifting fairy Kim Bokju got this just right, maybe as it's uni students, but the not being able to stop touching each other part that comes after getting together. Often K-dramas go back to how they behave before they got back together with barely any difference in how they behave before and after. Hmm. I like that. And that's why I, maybe that's why we love that like post-sex healer glow healer. Up. That's what it made me think of. <laughs> yep. Uh, healer. Yep. The best. Because he couldn't, he couldn't stop touching her. He just no. couldn't stop touching her. It was amazing. Which honestly, I mean, that's what most men are like after they get deflowered. They're like, oh my God, boobies. I can't stop looking. I want to touch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's such a typical, like, I don't know. I never deflowered anyone, Megan. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Neither have I. (laughs) Well, (laughs) moving on. Anyway. Ooh, it's getting spicy all up in here. <laughs> so we have one from Lisa who said, first, thanks for your podcast. It's one of my favorites. So thank you for that. And they said that Suspicious Partners is one of their favorites. In general, one of the things I like about romantic K-dramas is that so much of the relationship is focused on the emotional and mental connection rather than the physical. It's refreshing to see that portrayed in the media. And I love it. I like the sweetness of K-dramas. However, I find I do appreciate when the relationship in a drama progresses to sex and the drama shows this. I don't need to see or even want to see the, quote, event, but portraying that it has happened advances the relationship in what feels like a natural way. It's one of those things that stood out to me about Suspicious Partner. I was like, wow, they showed them in bed together. No clothes. This scene moment in the show is still sweet and tender, but I was also just like, they had sex. 
And then she has two really short spoilers, but really they just kind of like touch on like, you know, the fact that there's like overt romances in two of these dramas. So spoiler ahead for Coffee Prince. Another example I thought of for this question is Coffee Prince. It felt natural to me at the point of the show for the central relationship to have progressed to sex. And I was glad they showed it. Amy, you and I have seen that. I think we are in agreement with that one, right? I've watched that scene over and over again because it was not only hot, but it was also like super loving too. And I just, I loved everything about it. And it felt incredibly natural, like a non-scripted kind of like, it really just felt like an authentic like connection. And then spoiler ahead for Crash Landing on You, one of the things that sort of frustrated me about Chloe, which I loved, she says, was that Sari and Captain Ree are in her house in South Korea, just the two of them and dot, 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 nothing happens. How? I would like to have seen some hint that they had slept together. Not having that at that point in the relationship drama with that opportunity and privacy at her house was odd to me. But maybe it comes down to censors and trying to appeal to a broad audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my seriously for the Chloe. Because we all watched <laughs> Chloe first. So we all were like, oh, they just don't show sex and K dramas. Right. And then Leah and then Leah and I watched Secretary Kim. We're like, Oh, no, no, no. They do show sex and K-dramas. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. Chloe, why? Why? 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't. So our friends at Sex Love Literature Podcast, Corinne and Ayani, are PhD students in Florida and always have great thank you feedback. We saw your listener question about sex in romantic K-dramas and couldn't help but send over our two cents. Though not every romantic relationship in a K-drama, and in life, honestly, has to involve sex, we enjoyed the shows that do and appreciate the kinds of questions they can raise about dating, romance, and relationships. Sex is a real part of life, and there's no need to pretend it doesn't exist. We also like to pay attention to how consent works in romantic relationships, especially as it relates to sex. You can learn a lot about a character and the kind of world the creative team is building by how sex slash desire works. The sexier scenes between Ko Moon Young and Moon Gang Tae in It's Okay to Not Be Okay are a good example of this. We learned so much about the power dynamic between the two of them when they finally go for it. And bonus points if it's pretty to look at. I love that take. I think that that is such a smart way to look at it, especially when they said about like the power dynamic between characters and consent because yeah if i see like a sexy scene that involves consent then i'm kind of even more invested in the in the romance i think it's important to see that i think Mm -hmm. it's important to see consent i mean i'll talk about it in a second because i i react to this so Liliana answered this question on our Instagram. It depends on the drama and the setting itself. If the drama calls for it, then you shouldn't shy away. But I don't think I need to see the specifics quite like in Western dramas. We get the meaning of the implication. A well-done, spicier scene always stands out in a K-drama because it is a rarity to see them. However, I don't need to see it all on my screen. I think of a lot of K-dramas as more focused on the emotional part, and that doesn't need a specific sex scene. But ultimately, it depends on each drama and how the story is being told. And then we just have a couple of like other folks that weighed in on Instagram. So I'll just like go through this as like a quick catalog. So Barry and Bai said that they prefer more innocent K-drama as too many shows are sex driven rather than story driven. Jaws of Fate says, I have accepted the virginal Doris Day tropes, but I prefer to see <laughs> actors acting like adult fair. <laughs> Your fellow foodie says, if there are long sexual tension buildup and then a tasteful illusion, it's great. Like what's wrong with Secretary Kim? Emi Seikyo says, it's realistic. Also, the idea that 20 and 30-somethings aren't having sex is crazy. And Wiltney says, yes, because it's real life. So what are our hot takes on this topic? I mean, I really, really like all the listener feedback. I mean, I have to kind of agree that I like when it's shown because to me, it feels like a natural progression of an adult relationship. And I I realized that you know, there is sometimes where sex isn't involved in certain relationships. But I would say in most of the K-dramas, it feels like that would be a natural progression. I don't need explicit scenes in my dramas either. I just like when it's acknowledged. Honestly, maybe like a little bit of, you know, touchy-feely, some sensual kisses, and then like show them in bed together, like, or have them refer to it. Uh, I think I said before, it makes me a little bit more invested in the romance. And, you know, it gives a, a reward for all the sexual tension that they put us through. I feel the exact same way. I agree that I would like to see not necessarily more overt sex scenes, although I'm fine if I do, but truly I just want to see it acknowledged that two consenting adults sometimes like to do the horizontal mambo and there is absolutely nothing wrong if they do. Are you a golden girl? Like the horizontal vigor? Vim and vigor coming from the woman who says vim and vigor. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Yeah. And to me, it feels just very K-drama dependent. Like, I think I err strongly on the side of story. Like, I prefer story driven. But, you know, sex sometimes is part of the story. And what really resonated for me is that, like, how if it's super avoided, like was acknowledged earlier with um, Crash Landing on You, it's jarring. Like, I kind of started to worry, like, did they never get it on? Because, like, then that's like a geopolitical love quagmire with just blue balls. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, he doesn't get to, like, he crawled through a tunnel for, like, 24 hours and then slept in the spare room. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right? We need to get our mambo on. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, like, what's, like, the sexiest scenes that I can think of in K-dramas, like, Secretary Kim, where, like, he pops the button on her shirt and you're like oh it's getting on and then of course obviously like the Lee Dong Wook sex neck vein and tail the nine tailed because like that thing's still honestly it's just a giant baby arm throbbing on the side of his neck <laughs> um, so I mean like look I like it don't get me wrong if I see it but like I think it's the story and like this is like I'm going off on like a tiny little tangent but you know while I was like on my like big getting into K-drama, you know, well, not getting into it, but, you know, I was like, well, on the K-drama bus is when Bridgerton came out. And look, again, I'm not trying to like yuck someone's yum. If you love Bridgerton, like Godspeed. But I found the sex in Bridgerton to be like super boring. And I think it's because they kind of like to me forgot to like hype up some of the emotional part of that story like it was there it just didn't feel like it was hyped up enough and I felt like it was more trying to be like this overt like look at this like you know the sexy times happening which again was like sometimes just like three pumps from like the super hot duke and then she was in ecstasy and I was like "Mm," you know I mean he's hot but like come on I agree, but I agree with you there. Like the first four episodes, I was like all in. And then all of a sudden it hit their first time having sex. And then that's all they did from there on out. There was no more story. It was just sex. And I mean, we're romance writers. So I'm not like, you know, we are fine. And we like, we're all romance writers who write open door sex. Like we're not all fade to black writers too. But I think, yeah, for me, what and maybe it's like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm just like way more hardened to my like work day sometimes is like, yeah, reading like a bunch of set, like it can really just leave me high and dry. So like when I see stuff that's like titillating for the sake of being titillating, it's kind of like I'm reading the newspaper because at this point I've just been like overexposed to it. So for me to find something like give me like a little shiver or like a heart flutter, it's like when there's like the emotion from the story side of it. I think sometimes I'm really desensitized. I mean, it's what I'm writing during the day. I'm Well, right now I write alien romance. So I'm writing like creative alien sex too. Like, and so I'm a little desensitized to things. And the same, I'm desensitized to titillation for the sake of titillation. And I would say one thing I like about K-dramas is like one little touch is means so much. I mean, yes. there's a scene in Fight for My Way. This isn't really a spoiler. I mean, it's a romance where he just kind of like grabs her around the waist and like presses her up against him. She's trying to like exert dominance over him. And he's like, nah, you want me. Like, I know you do. And he kind of grabs her around the waist and like presses her up against him and his legs are spread. And I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> because there's so much. It is a good scene, but there's also so much behind it. And just their dialogue in that scene. There's like a very specific reason he grabs her and it's in the dialogue and it's just fantastic. And just I, I think about that scene a lot. And it, that's it. That's all he does is grab her around the waist. And I'm like, yeah, Park Seo Joon. Like, <laughs> it's so I completely agree that, you know, I don't need to just be titillated with like, you know, overt acts. I just want yeah. a little acknowledgement. Although I had to laugh because I was like on my like Lee Jungi like rabbit hole of late and I saw this interview from Flower of Evil where so in Flower of Evil it's like a married couple and I'm not going to like get into it too much but it's a married couple and they have a lot of chemistry and especially at the beginning it's like you can tell that like they have a robust sex life and there's lots of making out which I mean fair if I was married to that. Yeah, I'd be like <laughs> so a guy who can do splits like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh my god, yeah. Talk about the splits in just a second. But yeah, and in it, like somebody was just like, you know, the thing is, is that like you've set the bar to like married life isn't like that. Like you were supposed to have been married for like over a decade, and you're like pawing on each other, and they just like both started laughing, and we're like, well, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. It was just like really funny to me to see like in that show too. Like you know, it was nice to see that like yeah, they're married and they're acknowledging. Even if it maybe was a bit fantasy like, like, you know, how romantic it, it was for them. I believe it because it's Lee Jun Gi. So I believe it. <laughs> really? God, help me with that. I know, Guys. seriously. Just talk about the splits quick, even though it's a complete off the topic. Oh, okay. So I had watched Lawless Lawyer, which stars Lee Jun Gi. So I was the first <laughs> one to like meet Lee Jun Gi. And I was like captivated by him in this. And he was clearly 
super talented athletically. Like I, I had read he did either all his stunts or most of his stunts, and it was pretty obvious he did. I mean, the, some of the moves he did in that drama were just crazy. And so, of course, like I did a Lee Juji deep dive like they're doing now, and I saw a clip of him on Knowing Bros, and he was on it with IU from Scarlet, Scarlet Heart Raya, the longest... It title ever and right. Moon so, Heart, <laughs> yeah, I'm like whatever that is so the one where he wears a mask anyway so the host of knowing bros like knew he was very flexible so and of <laughs> course there's can't. and there's no subtitles on this video and it doesn't freaking matter guys it does not matter that there's no subtitles i don't need to know what they're saying he does this split move where he puts his feet like he sits on his butt and puts his feet out in front of him and then he swings his feet out and around and then goes on his stomach and touches them in the back and it's it like is like no hip sockets whatsoever. oh my god i never thought that would be hot in my life never thought watching a man do that would be hot and it was oh boy and it's <laughs> saying like i have no idea what they're saying and i don't care and so i sent it to leah leah and amy i'm like you guys gotta watch this like you have to see him do this and it's funny because he then he, he reverses it and then pulls his knees up to his chest and hugs them and he's like tiny <laughs> and, he's and, like, he's, and he's wearing those glasses the oh he's wearing wire glasses gla- the wire frame glasses just like <sighs> King Hook does bringing it back to suspicious partners oh it hurts me, it hurts me to yeah. like or that he is who he is like i love it i want to watch him and everything i truly truly do yeah i'm you dehydrated i'm dehydrated by my thirst right now <laughs> there, i mean so- there are several action <laughs> scenes in Lawless Lawyer that I can literally picture right now in my head like a film strip because they are that cool. There's one where he jumps up and he like bends his legs and puts his knees on this guy's shoulder and like takes him down. It's the coolest scene. It's so cool. Okay, well, we are Tangent. allegedly talking about Suspicious Partner. So this is yeah. going to be the time where if you are not interested in spoilers, we are going to say Anyang to you. And if you are <laughs> excited to come along as we get more into the weeds, this way. Okay, so in this drama, remember we are in the spoiler section, you know, last heads up. Okay, so how did the villain work for you in terms of one of these things? Motivation and backstory, if he's a worthy opponent for the leads, or just pure characterizations? So Jung Hyun Soo is one of my favorite villains. We didn't discuss him in our favorite villains episode, except for a brief mention, mostly because we knew we'd be discussing him in this deep dive, and his actual role as a villain is a spoiler. When he was first arrested on suspicion of murder, I believed he was innocent, just like Bong Hee did. He asked for her, basically. He was like, I knew that you were arrested for murder, and you were found innocent, and so I know you'll believe me that I'm innocent, too. So I believed him as well. And then he did some things that made be questioned that and then i thought he was innocent again and the drama played like a whole guessing game with a viewer that was very fun like fun in a stabby murder way i love that aspect of his character played to perfection by dong ha i mean truly he was a great complete villain that really elevated this drama from good to great yeah i loved him so much and i would say that he is absolutely 150 percent a worthy opponent for the leads i mean he was hard to pin down literally until the very end. So I was right there with you, Megan. I thought he was innocent and then realized he was just truly calculating, manipulative and delusional because I think that's what worked so well for his motivation is that he believed what he was doing Like he was the hero of his own story, right? We talked about that with villains. He was the hero of his own story. He believed his own lie that he was enacting justice when truly he was trying to absolve himself of the guilt of being a bystander's rape. And so all of that combined made for a spectacularly complicated villain that was such a good opponent for the leads. Yeah, I really did like how there was kind of like that, you know, in writing, we talk about like show, not tell. And I felt like this was like a really good slow reveal of the fact that basically he was murdering high school friends who had gang raped his first love. And, you know, he had been a bystander who'd done nothing. And then the girl had taken her own life eventually. And I thought that they did some great like little character details on him. Like he whistled and his whistling tune, I thought was really like creeptastic. And that still sits with me. And I thought he had a really great smile because he was a character who really did think like 10 steps ahead of folks. And so he would give these smiles that sometimes were quite smug and subtle. And I really liked that. But I will say like overall, I didn't find him to be a scary serial killer, just more of like an unsettling one. And I kind of go back and forth on that. Like sometimes I do wish that there were some moments where like 
we got to see him be like kind of like truly unhinged. Like I thought his murdering was fairly businesslike, even though they were violent gut stabs. <laughs> um, so I think I would have just enjoyed if there were some more like legitimately scary moments around him. But that being said, I really enjoyed how Dong Ha played the character. And weirdly, it made me want to see him in a romantic lead, even though I'm not turned on by stomach stabbing. And then just the <laughs> side note, how gross that he stored a bunch of the dead bodies in like the water tank on top of the oh, apartment. Oof. Like when they drained it, all I could think of was like, oh, the smell like ew. <laughs> So gross. But I was also right there with you with wanting to see him as a romantic lead just because of how well he portrayed this villain. I was like, God, I really would like to see him totally reverse, you know, this performance of what would he be like as a hero. So how would you fix the saggy middle in this drama? Cut out the saggy unnecessary episodes. Boom. Problem solved. So yeah, that was a very easy way to do it. So for me, I think that the saggy middle did kind of like annoy me because I felt like it was kind of like an unforced error. And I think that I would have liked to have seen more grappling with the second romantic leads as their relationship was interesting to me. But ultimately, I wasn't as invested as I wanted to be because I felt like it was underwritten. So I wish that they had like bulked it up more like on run on where you know, we had such a compelling, you know, secondary romance. And I thought that they had the potential to be interesting, especially the second female lead who kind of like self-identifies as being not so much of like a black hole of need as we got and like it's okay to not be okay but like you know it seems like you know she just couldn't get enough like she couldn't get enough attention from G Wook when like you know and so she kind of acknowledges like I just wanted and wanted and that was one of the reasons she kind of like became like you know not faithful in the relationship and I thought it was just like interesting to explore that really something I would have really liked to have seen is the male lead and the second male lead move on because I don't feel like we ever saw G Wook like for give his former best friend and I understand that like in real life there's not neat bows to anything but like these are long-standing former friends who continue to work together now in this law practice and like I feel like G Wook's just like always kind of like a hater on him and I just thought like hello like we I felt like having some sort of like reconciliation like time would have really helped their character arcs so to switch from being so serious who wants to talk about something like a favorite comedic relief moment in the drama? So this was genuinely a very funny drama, especially in the beginning, like before the real murder started <laughs> happening. Um, real murder, murder. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing was, was very funny. But some of my favorite comedy scenes involved Ji Wook being jealous. So Bong Hee is mostly oblivious to his jealousy because he hides it well under his anger and a lot of Aish yelling moments, but he finds himself growing jealous of Bong He's budding friendship with Ji Yun Hook, who is kind of his former best friend, current arch nemesis, but also employee. It's such like yeah. a weird the whole that whole relationship was really weird. Anyway, my favorite scene is where Bong He and Yun Hyuk are chatting out side of the office at a small table so they're like on grass outside and in his yard because the office his, is his house <laughs> like, the, whole, the whole thing was so weird anyway g-wook <laughs> is like brooding on this small balcony like above them like a rooftop balcony type thing and when they start laughing together like he's trying to like deny that he has feelings for bong hee but when bong hee and Hook start laughing together <laughs> g-wook just picks up a water hose and starts spraying them like <laughs> he's like the grass needs water and like <laughs> he, he literally just sprays them and i love it so much i watched that scene so many times and ji wook just has such like a grumpy face and bong hee and on are actually they're kind of like unbothered by it like they kind of just like run away like laughing and that just makes ji wook even matter so i just love that scene so much so bong hee felt very relatable and down to earth but also very strong so who wants to talk about an example of her strength I liked her right from the start. And in the very beginning, when she confronts her soon-to-be ex, soon-to-be-dead ex, she catches him with another woman. She could have turned a blind eye and let him get away with it rather than risk public humiliation because it was like in like a hotel lobby. But instead, she stands up for herself. She calls him out on it and doesn't, you know, I mean, she cares, but doesn't care that people are looking at her and that it's causing a scene. That was not easy for anyone to do. And I really appreciated the scene for letting her be both vulnerable and strong at the same time. And then, you know, she totally picked up G Wook for a supposed one night stand to make her ex jealous. And that just got the whole ball rolling with them, which I loved. And that was a funny, like, little current that went through the whole drama because 
she was really drunk that night and she didn't know if they slept together or not. And it's kind of through the whole drama. She was like, did we sleep together? And he like won't tell her. Yeah. yeah, it was a really funny like thing between the two of them. In real life, that's obviously problematic. Oh, yes. But like, <laughs> but, but like, again, this is like going back to like, you know, we just had today, I think, come out like the boys over flowers, airs talk of like sometimes in fantasy spaces, things that are overtly problematic. I just wanted to like throw that out there because like in real life, obviously it wouldn't be funny if somebody's like, I'm not going to tell you if we slept together. Right, right, right. But he was a total, but he was a total gentleman. Yeah. Like, like they didn't sleep together because she was wasted. And so at least it wasn't like that would be more problematic. Yeah, of (laughs) course. I just wanted to throw out there that it's okay. I'm glad you did that. And it's okay that you liked it. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you, because I did like it. <laughs> it doesn't make you a bad person. Does it? I liked it too. We all thank you. It. I don't need to collect your feminist cards today. No. Okay. <laughs> so thoughts on the second lead romance? I was honestly really rooting for them. I really love the second male lead. I love that he had this like nervous laugh that he did. It was really kind of cringy. And at one point, Bong he called him on it, and she was like, "You don't have to laugh like that." Like meaning, she was like, "You don't have to pretend to be happy around me." I actually really liked it. That was kind of like the start of their friendship. And I liked the second female lead too. I really respected her. That so she didn't actually cheat on Jiwook. Like that was well, that. something happened. Something happened. Have, well, you know what? I was gonna say like because I feel like this will come up when we talk about fight for my way. Like, what does cheating actually mean? Because right. if there was intent, if there was intent, even if you don't go through with it, right? So they touched each other. Clothes were on the ground. You don't just right. like strip naked. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, yeah, but I mean, I think though what I liked about it is that she knew there was intent there. That's why she let him think she cheated because she knew that there was intent there and she knew that she wasn't getting everything that she needed in the relationship. You know, should she have just told him that she wanted to break up instead of scarring him with betrayal with his best friend? I mean, yes, she, she should have. But, you know, they were really young. That was like, you know, that was like in uni, I guess. They'd just gotten out of college. And remember yeah. the second we find out that the second male lead, even though G Wook never knew this, the second male lead was into her first. It's just then like Correct. the day he was gonna confess, saw her confess to G Wook and then right. stepped aside. But he was like deeply in love with her. Yeah, and the second male lead pined for her so hard, but then he also didn't want to go there again because it really was what he considered like a mistake of his life like he you know messed up his relationship with ji wook who was his friend so i don't know a part of me felt like they should get together but another part of me agreed that maybe it was best that they leave that part of their lives in the past in part ways so i was kind of okay with how the drama left them which was sort of open-ended in my opinion i wanted resolution i mean i wanted like a neat little bow at least i wanted the guys to work it out i I want to hear more about that yeah Yeah. And the fact that didn't happen, I'm still, yeah, upset about that. So any last final burning thoughts on this drama? I have one, if I can just throw it out there, which is the title. I don't like, I know it's translation, but I honestly don't get it. Like what is a, like, and it's suspicious partner, not Mm -hmm. partners. And so Mm -hmm. I don't get it. It's like Camellia with the singular plural, like, you know, I say it wrong all the time. I feel like it can go a couple of different ways. Like I feel like it's going to the very beginning where she comes to work for him as an intern, but then gets accused of murder and he has to prosecute her and put her behind bars. So there she was like a suspicious partner in his office. Then, you know, they kept a lot of things from each other when they did finally get together because they were both protecting each other from the murderer and also protecting each other. Like we never even got into the childhood trauma between the two of them, which is, you know, him thinking that her father killed his parents yeah like the day after like they're in naked bed sex post-coital bliss and he looks over and sees the photo of her beloved papa on the yes desk and is like like, oh my gosh that's the guy that like i have like falsely implanted memories murdering my family because right so i think it kind of goes with that like once they are like romantic partners and i also kind of feel like i didn't mind the title because i think it also fit with when she was defending hyun su and was so sure that he was innocent and he was actually a suspicious partner. So I don't know. Right. It didn't bother me. It's a weird It's a weird title, but it didn't bother me. I just kept thinking it was suspicious partners. And I know yeah. I typed that in numerous places, like on, oh, I said on, right? On, uh, you did. I kind of said it, though. With a little, it's not like 
I kind of still say it with an one. Anyway, on Twitter, something I know I said suspicious partners, but I honestly highly recommend this drama mainly because I felt like it just, like I said at the beginning, it really had a lot for everyone. And if you're a Ji Chang Wook fan, you need to see this. I mean, he is wonderfully grumpy. He needs attention. Like, you know, he's damaged from his childhood. He needs skinship so bad that he's like touching the walls. Oh my gosh. You I know? love the wall touching. I yes. forgot about the that. Wall touching just drag, his, drag his fingers across the walls. That uh, was uh, oh, I, don't even, I don't remember this. Oh, yeah, every place he was, he would just walk and drag his fingers across the walls. And it was because he was like lonely. Like he, and Aww. so he was like seeking touch. And I was yeah, like, that, oh, that went right Aww. over my head. Oh, I loved it so much. And yeah. So, I mean, it was just, and, and again, I love this heroine so much she was like balls to the wall she could fight she could fight better than g-wook i mean she was just adorable i love any time that a drama is willing to show a heroine being messy like yeah that they they don't try to make them just look look perfect or still gorgeous but with glasses yeah right yeah <laughs> i think but i truly think everybody was a mess in this drama and i oh, think yeah. that's what i loved about it like everybody was kind of a mess and she you know she was the first one to show it but that we didn't have like this perfect hero this perfect heroine even and especially like the second leads like they were just a hot hot mess so mm -hmm. i really like that about this that nobody was on any sort of pedestal and everybody was kind of at the same level at some point or another as far as just being messy and i think i like that like you know after seeing like ji cheng wook and healer like where he like does all these like fight scenes and it's very like an active role he is much more physically passive in this role mm -hmm. and that is i think interesting because he like yeah still sells it well and i mean like i guess i would still say he's like an alpha but i think he feels more belpha to me like as much yeah. as he's like yeah even though he is in charge of the legal practice and stuff i feel like she was way more alpha in many ways than he was yeah, I don't know if Healer would have gotten stabbed in the gut, but G Book did. <laughs> she had she has so much. She has so many guts. Like I just loved her. And can we just give a shout out to the fact that the G Chang will care situation? Can we just please? I know. We, oh my I gosh. know you briefly touched on it, but it's very hilarious how when he's a prosecutor, his hair's up. Then when he's a lawyer, his hair is down. And then when he goes back to prosecuting at the end, his hair went back up. <laughs> I couldn't like stop. So, somebody thought of. I mean, I want to get into at some point. Right. Like if you ever listen to this drama and you are involved in any kind of styling for a K-drama, please, Afternoon of Delight, podcast at gmail.com. We want to bring you on the show. Yeah. I have so many questions about the choices of when the hair goes up. And yeah, it was, a conscious, it was a conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. But Absolutely. why was it just when he was a prosecutor? Like, I need to know. Is this is this like a thing? Do like all prosecutors need their hair up? Like, is that is that, is that no, going to robe? So. Like and and like, why was Ji Chang Wook like, well, I'm a lawyer now. I'm just going to put my no, hair down. Because, because even because the other guys in his office, not everybody had hair down. Like no, that's the, true. his secretary guy who also got stabbed in the gut, who we enjoyed, Bang Eun-ho, played by Jang Hyuk-jin. And he had his hair up all the time. I just got to give a shout out to the Ji Chang Wook hair in this because it was just it was funny. It was really funny. Yeah. It was very intentional. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't like when they showed him again as a prosecutor at the end and his hair was back up. I laughed out loud like because I yeah. was just like, why? <laughs> so let's talk about our book rec. So we're just going to do one book rec for today. And we thought that we would talk about romantic suspense and give a shout out to this may be a fun fact for some of you. Some of you may already know this, but we wanted to rec Reckless. So there's a book called Reckless and it is by Selena Montgomery. And Selena Montgomery is the pen name for Nobel Peace Prize nominee, former Georgia governor candidate and helped save the democracy in the 2020 election, Stacey Abrams. So yes, Stacey Abrams, political queen, community organizer extraordinaire, writes romance under the name Selena Montgomery. And one of her books, well, she hasn't written romance in a little while, but this book came out 2008. It's called Reckless. And it just has good segues to what happened to Suspicious Partners. So it's about a high-powered Atlanta lawyer who is forced to confront her painful past and prove her innocence to the man that she loves. So, you know, from the first time that this lawyer meets the heroes a sheriff, which is always great. Gosh, I'm always down for a sheriff. You know, he's a stickler for law and order. 
but you know she's representing like his prime suspect on a case and then they're forced to work together and then they uncover scandals in like this small town and then there's a nod at the end that she has a secret of her own so super just like k-drama upon k-drama yeah. like mm-hmm. crossover there so that is reckless by selena montgomery aka stacy abrams and what's everybody watching right now so like i both <laughs> love and hate leah right now i'm watching strangers from hell which Leah has talked about on this pod. And and I kind of made you have to do it because I'm like, I'm not going to be here on this day. So you do Strangers from Hell with Leah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, I don't know how to explain. I'm hate watching it, but not because I don't like it. I'm hate watching it because it is creeping me the F out, but in a way that's like really visceral. And I feel everything and it creeps me out so much. Like I can't eat while I'm watching it. I try to have like a bowl. I often eat a bowl of cereal at night because I'm weird. And I was trying to have like a bowl of cereal. I couldn't even like eat Cheerios while I was like watching this because it's just gross. Everyone (laughs) is sweaty all the time. Everyone's sweaty. Like I can't stand it. And but then it's also amazing. I mean, Lee Dong Wook as a serial killer is truly chef's kiss. I mean, he was (laughs) <laughs> he was made for this he is and there's this is this ain't no romance serial killer this is like straight up oh yeah no like, no, no no there's no romance you'll talk about it i mean there's gonna be yeah, a deep yeah, dive yeah. folks whether <laughs> you want it or not whether <laughs> you want it or not leah but, and megan are gonna deep dive it, yeah so. but that is what i'm watching right now and i'm like halfway through and yeah so i need i'm gonna be watching something very light after this <laughs> so yeah I'm two episodes away. It's taken me a while to get through Fight for My Way and not because I'm not loving it, but because for anybody who doesn't know, I'm a school librarian and we just had our last day of school yesterday and I just needed to get through the last week of school. Also needed to edit our Camellia episode, which was a lot of fun, but was one of our longer ones. So I'm going to finish up Fight for My Way tonight and I love it. I think that Park Seo Joon is so super sexy in this. I can't even stand it and I can't wait to talk about it. Yay. And I think I'm going to go because Megan and I are going to do one together then on a day that Leah's gone. We're going to do Imaginary Cats. I think I'm going to watch that next. It looks <laughs> ridiculous and i love it yep can't wait so yeah i will just say that megan and amy are the cat ladies of the pod i do not have cats and so when we were talking about how like you know during summer travel and stuff we're going to be a little disruptive apparently i get the hardcore serial killing (laughs) and i was all in and then they they were all about this talking cat which i was 100 not into but i am excited i'm excited to listen and i am watching the longest drama name of all time moon lovers scarlet heart radio <laughs> and there are two big reasons why i'm watching this the first one is called <laughs> lee Junggi, and the second one is called kong ha Nool. it's a love triangle with these two and it's like oh, fuck like yeah, I'm excited. To, at some point, like, I, I'm not sure how this is going to come up. I will be addressing the drama on the show in some ways. But, like, to have these two, like, actors ha- that have, like, been really, like, captivating to me be brothers and then be pivoted against each other as they're, like, competing for the affections of the heroine is just, like, oh, it's painful. This is, like, the, I think I'm in this post-COVID, like, needing to, like, feel more feelings. And so I'm liking, like, scary serial killing and I'm liking really like painful love triangles or just kind of like painful love, much like Flower of Evil felt like a painful love story. To oh, me, God. I, Megan, you have to watch that one I, because I promise it's on my list and I've wanted to watch it. So it's I, I, I want to watch it again. I want to watch it again oh, and again. OK, good. I'm excited yeah. about it. Leah, are so, you? Is it legal for you to talk about how you're watching this drama? It is le- well, kind of. I mean, okay. So the other thing that's like a, it's just like an f. Like I was like, settle. I like asked on Instagram, should I watch like Moon Lovers or Mr. Sunshine? Mr. Sunshine, I'm gonna watch next after this. And Moon Lovers got more votes, so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it because I apparently can't make my own decisions anymore. And so I went to like pop onto Vicky, and I'm like, okay, it's not here. Popped onto Netflix, I'm like, it's not here. And I started looking, I'm like, holy shit, it's like this thing's nowhere. Then. I was like, I guess I just have to let it be. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't. This is like, these, like, no, like, you don't say, like, Goonies never say die. Yeah. And so you can do a thing where you can change your VPN, like, settings on, like, you know, like, so I watch on my phone primarily. And so I have an app called Tunnel Bear that I, like, I use it when I go to Australia a lot so I can watch American content when I'm in Australia that would otherwise block me. And so I don't know how it works. And I'm not very technologically savvy. I just know that I, like, pay a little bit of money. It, 
makes this like bear icon pop up and then i just say what country i want it to go to and then it like digs a little hole on its cartoon and pops up in whatever country so i am watching moon lovers on view viu which is available for 16 countries including singapore so i am in singapore apparently watching (laughs) moon lovers and it's like very like it's janky it like craps out a lot there's ads there's so many ads that will happen and then they just like play in these like weird redundancies where like it's like western union i can do all of it but it's like it'll play the same ad and then i'll play it again and then again and again and again like five times i'm like holy shit what i am doing to get through this drama but i just got through the really iconic scene that you see always like in like when they refer to the drama where it's like lee jungi with his like black robes and he's like holding it up as like iu is like kneeling on the ground in like all white and he's like blocking the rain from her head and it chef's kiss it was as good as i hoped it would be i'll get the dvds <laughs> get the dvds don't do it like what i'm doing right now is like horrific and also if you can tell what a haggard mess i am i have been up every single night until 2 30 2 45 plowing through this drama oh my God, Leah. because Leah. i just can't i'm like i just gotta get it like out of my fucking system right i get it i get it but i'm like gonna get sick or something like this is not sustainable <laughs> right i know don't get sick don't no do i'm it. almost done i've got like two or three episodes left and then i don't know hopefully mr sunshine i can paste your god i need some self-control <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing next week so next week we are discussing our favorite heroines which I'm very excited about and I think we all are we get to talk about some pretty cool women so it'll be a good time so that's it for tonight, everyone, or today, or this morning, wherever you are, whatever time it is. Thank you for listening. And let's say it, everyone. Annyeong! Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong!